Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 144 of The Body Nerd Show. On today's episode, I'm joined by my friend and licensed therapist, Natalie Moore, and we're talking about how stress, pain, and tension are connected, the relationship between your mental health and your physical health, and a simple practice to connect your mind to your body so you can leave pain behind. I honestly feel like I should start a series called Hiking with Alex because we get into some deep conversations while exploring the mountains around Los Angeles. And Natalie is another one of my hiking friends. You know that Sarah Court, Dr. Sarah Court is another hiking friend. And we just, we get into it, you know, and talk about super fascinating things. There's so many times where we're hiking. I'm like super out of breath. Like we need to talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And today's episode is no different. Now, I've always believed that mind, body, and spirit are all connected and that you can't focus solely on one without the others. And I've experienced it firsthand where injuries and pain that should be fine structurally need an extra little boost and support mentally to fully recover. So today, again, we're joined by licensed therapist and expert speaker, Natalie Moore, and she helps ambitious creative millennials increase their emotional resiliency and transform limiting patterns to create the life, love, and career of their dreams. And one of the things I love most about her work and why we're friends is that she incorporates in holistic modalities like mindfulness and somatic psychology and even breath work into her work to support the natural healing process. So I think Natalie would definitely agree to this. And once you hear her, you would say, yes, she does, right? That it's not as simple as just this one track and there's no one size fits all when it comes to not just healing your body, but making that connection again between mind, body, and spirit. So enjoy my conversation with Natalie and stay tuned for the end of the episode because, I mean, you're hearing it unfold literally on this episode. We're collaborating together on a super exciting workshop just for you and I'll have all the details at the end. So here's Natalie. All right. So let's start where we always start, which is Miss Natalie, what do you like to get nerdy about? I love to get nerdy about trauma and the body. So I love learning about how our experiences are stored in the body as memories, as physical sensations, as unconscious thoughts and experiences, and how we can tap into that to not let those things hold us back anymore, but actually give us perspective and empathy and presence to move forward into how we want to be in our lives and in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love to, you start with, I get nerdy about trauma. You are in the right place. We love to get nerdy about nerdy things. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here too. Yeah. So man, and that's such like a There's so many places we can go from here, but one of the places I really want to touch upon too is this idea of the connection between your physical experience and mental health. 
you know, this yoga studio I used to work at like way back in the day, started in high school, their uh, tagline was introduce your mind to your body. They just might like each other. And I also understand that when you are in pain or when you have experienced trauma, sometimes the body doesn't actually feel like a safe place to be, or it doesn't feel like a comfortable place to be. So for someone who has, you know, been in that injury cycle, been in that pain cycle, like where's a good place to start? (laughs) Big question. That is a big question, but I get it a lot. And so I know where to go with this. We start with pleasure, right? We get so accustomed to physical pain. If we're dealing with chronic pain or chronic illness, we get so accustomed to emotional pain. If we're dealing with mental health issues, that that becomes kind of the norm. It's almost like a fish swimming in water. They don't think, oh, I'm swimming in water right now. The water is just the environment that they're so used to. They just take it for granted. So this can happen with physical pain and emotional pain. We just get so used to it that we kind of, and just assume that it's always going to be there. And we forget that there are so many different thoughts, emotions, and physical sensations happening all at once that we can choose to attend to consciously. So what I actually start with was with clients is finding something that is pleasurable, or if that's not possible, finding something that is neutral. So sometimes that's going into the body and doing a little bit of a scan and, and maybe starting from the top of the head, going down to the tips of the toes and just kind of scanning the body. Okay. Where can we pick up some physical sensation right now? So feeling the hair on your head. What does that feel like? Feeling the eyebrows on your face, feeling the earlobes on your ears or the tip of your tongue or kind of going down and maybe even feeling where your jeans are touching the skin on your legs or where you're feeling your feet on the ground. If we can find a part of the body where we're getting some physical sensation and it feels either pleasant or neutral, that can be really grounding for somebody who hasn't brought their awareness there because it's a very subtle sensation. Maybe the pain, whether it's physical or emotional, is taking so much attention and requiring Mm -hmm. so much of your attention all the time to deal with that we forget that there are so many pieces of sensory information that we're picking up on every single second that we're alive. Yeah. And I so appreciate too, that you say neutral because, you know, there's very like at the ends of the spectrum, right. could be all or nothing. Like it's either bad or it's good. And I think that, um, you know, finding that middle ground where like this just is, is also okay. Cause especially in the fitness world too, like it, there's so much of labeling of, you know, good or bad, whether it's sensations or experiences, am I doing this right? Is this food good or bad? That having that like just middle ground is a wonderful practice to find just more peace in life in general. Absolutely. And we can take it further too. When we bring awareness to a place that is somewhat neutral, just being curious about that. Okay. What does this neutral part of my body feel like? Does it feel warm? Does it feel cold? Does it feel numb? Does it feel a bit tingly? Is there pressure against it? Does it feel expansive? Does it feel empty? Does it feel full? Right. There's so many different little sensations that we can become accustomed to. And just like you said, introducing your mind to your body, it's starting a conversation between the mind and the body. 
And just like if you, you know, were working with a couple who was fighting all the time, you might want to help them have some more positive or even neutral interactions. Mm-hmm. You don't just always want to go towards the hardest thing to talk about. We want to do the same <laughs> thing with our own mind and body. Find some common ground where what's just some little pleasant conversation, some small talk we can have between the mind and the body just to get that conversation going. And then we can dive into some of the harder stuff as we go along, mm-hmm. as we create more safety and more trust there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this is a skill as much as anything else. Um, and I know too, with like the manifestation world and affirmations, it's like, um, you know, uh, it, it goes to like the extreme of just like, I'm thinking of body, uh, not even bo- body positivity, but like body neutrality, right? And, you know, for someone, you know, myself included, who has experienced just dislike of their body at any point, it's a lot to be like, I love my body when you don't. You know, when you like legitimately are not in that place. And so to just be like, this is a body is like the first thing to like start to learn. And then we can build upon it from there. But like having that neutral, soft spot to land is super helpful. Yes. I love that you're bringing that up, that in order to get from body negativity to body positivity, there's this transition in the middle of body neutrality that can actually be really helpful. And so this is where mindfulness comes in is just noticing, okay, I am a body. What is my body doing right now? Okay. I can feel some movement happening with my breath. Okay. Where do I feel that movement? Do I feel it in the lower part of my belly, kind of where my diaphragm is pushing my digestive organs out? Do I feel it in the middle of my lungs towards the sternum? Do I feel it in the back and the sides, right? What else is my body doing? Oh, my body's sitting. Okay. Where do I feel that? I'm feeling pressure on my glutes. I'm feeling my back supported against something. This is all neutral. And so the way to develop that neutrality is to have an attitude of curiosity towards what you're experiencing, what you're sensing on a moment to moment basis. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that curiosity, I mean, I try to approach life with that curiosity, encourage clients to do the same. Um, because again, that gets you out of that, like, you know, good or bad type of thinking and just like, Hmm, what is this? And you know, what comes next and not adding judgment on top of that. I was just going to say that curiosity is the antidote to judgment. Our, our brains really want to judge. We want to judge things as good as good or bad. We want to label them. We want to have an opinion about them. We want to categorize things by shape and color and quality Mm -hmm. and all these different things, because that's what our mind is really good at. And so, like you said, this is a skill. It's a skill to actually just observe without judgment. And another thing that can happen is when people understand what mindfulness is and are like, oh, I don't want to judge, then they start judging the fact that they're judging. It can get very meta. So you even want to observe the judgments with curiosity. Oh, I'm noticing that a judgment's coming up as I'm practicing mindfulness. Can I just observe that, let it pass and see what comes next? Kind of just almost like watching train cars go by and kind of watch your thoughts go by, watch your judgments go by and just be curious about what's coming up next. That's so funny too that you say that because I had an opportunity this morning um, to practice mindfulness, to do some meditation. I have completely fallen off the wagon um, and I sat there for like a good 15 seconds like, well, we could do this right now or we could go on Reddit (laughs) and like that wasn't helpful. It was definitely not helpful for my inner peace and calm. Um, The mind also likes to be constantly entertained. So, Oh my God. It's really, it's really terrible. Especially too, with like getting on TikTok, which is like the ultimate of like dopamine hits in 15 second bursts. So 
yes it's I a mean, retraining process but also remember part of mindfulness is observing non-judgmentally so you can also observe yourself <laughs> non-judgmentally okay i decided to do reddit instead of a 15 minute meditation this morning instead of talking badly about yourself right you can say okay when's my next opportunity can i yes. do 15 minutes of meditation after i do this podcast interview with natalie can i go take a walk can i cuddle my dog whatever the thing is right <laughs> And another thing too, I've been talking to clients about a lot lately. Okay, so I work with mostly busy young professionals who have a lot already on their to-do list. And so when I'm doing therapy with them, I'm very mindful of the, to bring in that word of the fact that they don't need something extra to add to mm -hmm. their to-do list. Mm -hmm. None of us need mm -hmm. something extra. So the way I like to look at it with mindfulness is that no, it's not this extra thing that you have to do in addition to all these other things. It's a layering process. You can layer a mindful awareness on mm. top of everything that you're already doing. Mindfully brush your teeth, mindfully get dressed and feel what the texture feels like with the skin on your, right, with the clothing on your skin. Mm -hmm. Mindfully drive, mindfully um, take a walk outside and notice what the sounds are around you and what you can see around you, right? You don't need to even necessarily, although formal meditation is a great way of practicing mindfulness, it's not necessary. You can bring a mindful awareness into all the things that you're already doing throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you for that reminder too. Cause I've had, um, you know, I get super focused when I'm working here at my computer, I'm in this little corner with like all this technology around me. And then I go out and take my dog for a walk. And then it's not until that, right. Where I'm completely unplugged. I really try to not take podcasts or music or anything when I'm walking with her. And then I'm like, Oh, I am hungry. And that was really like a, Oh my gosh moment for myself. Cause I'm like, Whoa, you are so tuned out that the most like basic of human need of just like hunger and satiety, like you can't even feel that because you're so like disconnected from your body sensations. So this is definitely, you know, mindfulness is such an important piece of being, I almost want to say like more human, but I also feel like more connected to that mind, body, spirit, like connection, you know? Absolutely. And what about like the relationship between, you know, pain and stress and like mental health and physical health? Like how does that all tie together? So the way I describe it is that there's a bi-directional relationship between physical and mental health, meaning that the relationship flows in both directions, right? If you are not taking very good care of your mental health, your physical health is going to suffer. And if you're not taking very good care of your physical health, then your mental health is going to suffer. But the opposite is also true, meaning that if you start to do things, even if they're really small, if you're doing them consistently and keep redirecting yourself back towards the positive behavior when you get off track of doing things that are really good for both your mental and your physical health, you will start to see changes. Those changes will feel good. They'll be reinforcing and you'll want to do more of them, right? The person who does the things that feel really good feels good. And the person who feels good wants to do the things that feel really good. We have to get on that positive cycle and find those entry points to get into that positive cycle and to get out of the more negative unhelpful self-defeating cycles. Today's episode is brought to you by the Bodywork Starter Guide. When it comes to self-massage, you might be wondering if what you're doing is actually helping, or maybe you're wondering what you should be doing in the first place. Because massage is one of the best ways to erase tension, and it's super effective when you get into a regular routine. 
that you might be wondering where the heck should you start and why does it hurt so much to roll out your hips and hamstrings? Well, my bodywork starter guide has you covered. You'll learn my favorite places to roll right now for quick relief, plus three reasons why stretching is only a temporary fix. And whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, bodywork can help. You can get the Bodywork Starter Guide and get rolling right now by heading on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, and one thing I like to do is to set the bar kind of low. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is like you've talked about as well. It's like, yeah, you know, sitting down for a meditation is awesome, but so is just like taking a walk without headphones. And like, if that's the bar, then my opportunity of like, yeah, I did it, uh, is far easier to achieve. And then you can get into that positive feedback loop so much faster. I love that you brought that up. And I know that we both really love Carl Lowenthal's on every yeah. brain podcast. Yeah, yeah. And she talks about that. She talks about setting minimum baseline goals, which is if you're somebody who doesn't exercise or doesn't meditate or doesn't eat a nutritious diet on a regular basis, then having this insane goal of perfection is going to not be sustainable, not be realistic. And every time you fall off of it, you're just going to give up and go back to nothing. Whereas if you set this really small goal of, okay, I want to be more mindful. Can I be more mindful when I'm taking a bath? Or can I be more mindful when I'm playing with my baby? Or can I be more mindful just drinking this sip of water as I'm taking a break from work? If you start really small, you start to feel good about the changes that you're making it feels doable. You build more accountability and trust with yourself that you're able to make these changes. And then you can Mm -hmm. add from there, right? Why set the bar so high that it's unrealistic when you can set the bar low and keep raising the bar as you prove to yourself that you're able to do these things and get the benefit from them too. Mm -hmm. It just made me think too of like a game of limbo. You know, it starts incremental and the bar just gets lower and lower. (laughs) Um, You know, like first round isn't, you know, you slithering underneath the bar. We start there. So it's like, why in our lives as perfectionists, (laughs) right? We start with like, nope, I'm going to do it 100% perfect. And it's going to be all of that or it will be nothing. Um, And so like, I guess, yeah, curiosity, play. Um, How can I bring more levity into the things that I'm doing rather than just trying to like get through this day and mark off that task to say like, oops, I did it because I needed to, you know? Right, right. And being a perfectionist definitely makes all of these life changes harder because we make the stakes. (laughs) We tie the stakes to our sense of self-worth, which is never a good idea to do. I highly, Mm -hmm. I do not recommend it. Whereas if we have more of an attitude of self-compassion with these things, it's okay. I wasn't able to get it done today because of X, Y, Z. I'm going to start again tomorrow we're, we're still taking responsibility for the fact that we want to make this change and we want to redirect and do something better the next day, but we're not tying it to our sense of self-worth. It's not, Oh, I didn't do it because I'm lazy or I'm stupid or I'm entitled or whatever. It's, I didn't do it because I wasn't able to get it done today. Maybe I need to shift the goal towards something more manageable or ask for support or make some changes in my lifestyle to make it more possible for me to attain this goal on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also for, you know, the listener, if this type of, you know, thinking seems like so 
just foreign to you. Um, another great resource is the book Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg, which I talked about in a recent episode. And like, literally that book is amazing. If you like this idea of small incremental goals, he talks about the research behind that as well. So if you want to get very nerdy, um, do check that book out. Have you read that book yet, Natalie? I haven't, but it sounds amazing. I actually have to give myself incremental goals when it comes to reading because <laughs> I love to nerd out and I get excited. And so I tend to start a lot of books, really ambitious books. And then sometimes I get burned out and then don't finish them. <laughs> so right Fair now enough. I'm creating some in- incremental goals for myself where it's like, okay, one chapter at a time. If I read one chapter or if I do 15 minutes of reading tonight, I can consider mm-hmm. that a win rather than mm-hmm. having to finish a 400 page book before I give myself a pat on the back for it. Oh no. Well, you know, the other thing is just start reading fiction or something fun. I have been recommended to do that too. (laughs) You can have fun with reading. And also this is something I had to teach myself as an adult, which seems like ridiculous, but like, if you don't like the book, you don't have to finish it. That's so good. I need that permission. I'm going to put that on a bookmark. (laughs) Yeah. It took me, I was like the second book in a four book series. And I was like, this is garbage. I can put this down. And it was hard, but I'm so glad I did. Cause then I got to read other better books. (laughs) Good for you. I love that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, okay. Since you are someone who, you know, studies and works in this relationship between the trauma and the body and, um, you know, our thoughts around it as well. Um, it's something that I have heard a million times and anyone who's ever taken a yoga class has heard as well is that your hips store emotions. Um, what are your thoughts on that? (laughs) Just leave it at that. (laughs) My thoughts are that emotions are stored in so many places of the body and that everybody's different. And so what might be a very emotionally laden part of my body might not be an emotionally laden part of someone else's body. So again, back to starting the conversation between the mind and body, I help my clients get that conversation started. And so let's say they come in and they're talking about how they're you know, fighting with their husband and it's really upsetting to them and they don't know what to do about it, etc. I'm going to slow them down and say, okay, as you're talking about this, what are you feeling in your body right now? And I might guide them to notice their breath or their heart rate or where their shoulders are in relationship to their ears. And they might say, oh, wow, I'm feeling like this tightness in my chest right now. Okay, let's get curious about that. So tell me about that tightness. Does it have a texture? Does it have a size? Does it have a color to it? Does does it have sharp edges or are the edges kind of diffuse? And these are all very open-ended questions, again, to get that conversation started between that person's mind and body so they can start getting curious about what's happening for them in that moment. So they might say, oh, mm-hmm. it feels it feels like a knot that's made out of metal. Okay, well, let's sit with that for a little bit. Like, What happens as you stay present to that feeling of that metal knot in your chest? Oh, well, it's starting to soften a little bit. Okay. What's happening as it softens? Oh, well now it doesn't feel like it's made of metal anymore. It feels like it's like a door that can kind of open and close. Right. So you see where I'm going Mm -hmm. with this. Everybody body is holding memories, holding a story, but not just holding the story of their pain, but also holding the solutions for moving forward and finding Mm -hmm. healing and finding growth. So let's say Mm -hmm. I keep working with that person and we, let's say session after session, keep coming back to this feeling of heaviness in the heart or that 
that tightness there. Maybe we find out that they were emotionally abused or maybe their parent didn't pay much attention. One of their parents didn't pay much attention to them growing up, right? Maybe there's something there that needs to be healed and needs to be attended to so that they can come into their current intimate relationship with that vulnerability and that intimacy and that love that they want access to, but maybe it was kind of locked up in their heart. So that's just one example. Again, for somebody else, it could be maybe the, the breathing feels labored. Maybe they have breathing trauma. Maybe they tend to have a heightened startle reflex because they were in a car accident. Or maybe their feet always get cold when they're stressed because that can be a sympathetic nervous system arousal sign, right? Mm -hmm. So for everybody, we want to get really curious about the story that their body is telling. And we work with that story to help them find healing and growth. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important too for anyone who has experienced or is currently experiencing, you know, pain, uh, be it chronic pain or from some other diagnosed type of thing or an injury, because structurally after about honestly, like six weeks, that's being generous, all of the tissue healing that's going to take place has already taken place. Um, Like I was just talking to a family member who was like, well, I fractured my foot. I'm like, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, um, two years ago, I dropped something on my foot and it's hurt ever since then. So like the foot's no longer fractured, right? If it was in fact, it's healed. Now we're looking at soft tissue stuff, but even that hasn't healed. Your brain learns pain, just like you learn to ride a bike or to walk or to, um, like do any other thing as well. And so this process of like, it's not even unlearning pain. I don't even know. It's just like getting connected. I guess my point being that wherever you are in the journey, this is relevant for you because our body and tissues and brain learn pain as a habit, just like anything else. That's not to say that your pain isn't real. I'm not saying that your pain isn't real. It's just how it's being experienced is no longer just about your body. Would you say that that's accurate? I love that you bring that in. And I did not know that about everything that's going to heal physically in that way would happen (laughs) six weeks after the injury. I did not know that. But it doesn't surprise me that people would still experience physical pain after that. People who lose a limb still experience phantom pain, Mm -hmm. right? Their brains Mm -hmm. are still wired around, their mind still has a map of where that, you know, let's say it was their arm that they lost. Their brain still has a map of where that arm is and is still likely to send messages that there are physical sensations happening there, even though it can't actually feel anything there um, because the arm isn't there. So it doesn't surprise me that that's the case. Your mind is very past oriented. It's, it's just going off of all of the past experiences you've ever had, whether those be physical or emotional. And so in order to create new experiences, we have to give the body and mind new information to go off of. So let's use that example of the person who had a foot injury. They might benefit from what we're talking about today with having a conversation, it sounds kind of weird or funny, but having a conversation with their foot and being like, okay, what's going on here? What am I feeling? You know, the foot might say like, I'm hurt. You hurt me. Like this doesn't feel good. Right. And then the person might ask, okay, um, you know, I understand that, you know, 
you were broken at one point, all of those, you know, cells have rebuilt and everything's fine there. Why are you still sending me this pain? Right. And then maybe the foot might say something like, I just want to make sure that you're listening to me. I want to make sure that you're appreciating me. Right. And then the person might say to the foot, wow, I never really thought about that before. You do so much for me. You hold me up. You move me about my day. You help me drive. You help me walk and hike and run with my kids. And if you can, again, get that conversation going, there's so much there that we can uncover if we just listen, but we tend to not listen. We just hear the sensations of pain and we resist them. And the more we resist them, sometimes the more intense they can get. Whereas if we get curious and we're like, what's going on here? Why is my foot still sending me pain signals? Even though I know that physically everything's fine down there. But if we don't give, if we don't give ourselves the opportunity to have that conversation with the body, we're not getting all the information that we need for that full mind, body, spirit healing process to occur yeah. and to complete, right? It's like, yeah. it's already done so much of the healing. Like our bodies are these amazing things, right? We get injured and it just, a cascade of events happen to go in and heal what has been ruptured, right? It's, it's this amazing mm -hmm. thing. But we sometimes need to support the healing process in other ways to help the yes. healing come to a place of completion. Again, whether it's physical or mental, sometimes mm -hmm. with trauma, with emotional trauma, your mind is on a loop. You're being reminded over and over and over again of this really scary thing that happened. And it makes sense. We don't want that scary thing to keep happening or to happen again. It was terrible. But part of the trauma healing process is actually ending that loop, closing that loop, bringing your body back to a sense of safety, reminding yourself that that traumatic experience happened in the past and is not happening right now. And mm -hmm. we don't have to live in anticipation of it happening in the future. Same with physical pain, right? That physical mm -hmm. rupture, that injury happened and your body yeah. mobilized to heal it. And now your mind needs to get on board with the fact that this is healed. I'm actually not physically hurt anymore. How do I yeah. close this loop and free myself from it? And there's also a lot of other things layered in here too. Sometimes there can be a secondary benefit of illness or injury. Sometimes people feel a lot of nurturance and support when they're sick or injured, or maybe they give themselves a lot more permission or compassion than they ever did before. And so sometimes there can be a psychological pull to remain sick or injured in some way. Mm -hmm. And so we, even if it's on a very unconscious level, right? Somebody consciously might say, no, I want to be better, but subconsciously they might be getting something out of that. We also have to be really aware of that and know, okay, is there a part of me that wants to still be unhealed? And can I come to a place where I'm getting my conscious mind and my subconscious mind on board to be done with this injury for this to be in my past and not to keep perpetuating this anymore? Yeah. Yeah. And exactly like you said too, like we're not saying, oh, you can have a conversation with your foot and like, that's all you need. And we're also like, I'm not saying that you can roll your foot out and stretch the top of your foot. And that's all you need that there is, you know, it is layered. It is complex. Like the body is not as simple as just like put this in and this comes out every time. And actually I had an experience myself of exactly what you're talking about 
I um, fell out of a raft at a bachelorette party. And I will just leave to the imagination what type of things were being imbibed at this bachelorette party. Um, if we were rafting, I know, terrible choice. Again, that'll come into play later. Um, so I fell out of this raft onto a rock, instant, terrible, terrible, terrible pain. Uh, by the end of that day, like I couldn't even bend over. Um, and I was pretty much out of commission, like couldn't work out, couldn't do anything for like two weeks. Um, and at the, while I was, that was happening, I was doing everything that I could to manage the swelling and manage the bruising and doing all of that. Um, and then about a month later, you know, things feel better. I can move a little bit better, but still not a hundred percent. And again, I'm continuing to increase the intensity of the types of mobilizations and activations and things that I'm doing, but it just doesn't feel like it's all the way there. And, um, it must've been like maybe two months later, something like that. I'm sitting down for a meditation and I put on, like, I was using the calm app. You have the option to add in just some like white noise. And it was like a river like babbling brook type of thing. And as I'm sitting there, the sound of the river triggers the memory of falling out of the boat. And exactly like you're saying of like having this conversation, um, like I felt the panic and I was like, okay, why are we here? Like what's going on? Like what needs to happen? Like, like why? Um, and it was, the missing piece for me in that situation was forgiveness of myself because I was still holding on to like, oh, you're so stupid. Why did you do that? That was so, you know, um, uh, like risky. Like, how could you take that risk and you can't work? And like, you know, all of this judgment I was piling on for myself and to just like shine a light on that shame allowed it to, for me to be like, oh, okay. Like I forgive you right? I forgive you. Stuff happens. And that was like the missing piece that I needed to fully heal this back injury. And it's never bothered me again. But it's not as simple to just, you know, and I see clients that I work with as well, right? There's some piece of this that's posture, there's alignment, there's fixing some stuff. But if you've done all of that, and you're still not feeling like where you want to be, there's probably this added layer on top of something like the mental health piece of it. Like we can't, separate mind, body, and spirit. Like it's all, it's all connected. Like literally it's all connected. I love that you brought all of that up. That reminds me of an experience that I had at one point where I was having this knee pain. I can't remember why or where it came from, but I was talking to a friend of mine about it, how we were supposed to go on a hike and I couldn't go. And he was an expert in the emotional freedom technique. Are you familiar with tapping EFT? Oh yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. The, the acupressure points. Um, and he was like, well, why don't we do a little bit of work around this and see if I can help you get your knee in better shape. And I was like, free therapeutic stuff. I'm all for it. So I was like, <laughs> sign, yeah, me up. <laughs> sign me up. And so he had me go through. So part of EFT is tapping literally with the tips of your finger onto different acupressure points. And you're also saying affirmations, things that are really kind to yourself. Like, I know I'm feeling this knee pain, but I love myself unconditionally. I know I'm feeling this knee pain, but I know I'll get through it. I know I'm feeling this knee pain, but I forgive myself for being in this pain. And that was the one that actually stuck with me the most was him guiding me to forgive myself for having this pain. Oh, I remember now. Wow. It's amazing how this can happen. Mm -hmm. I do remember I was doing one of these really intense 
boot camp style workouts where the person leading it was not encouraging us to listen to our bodies at all. Quite the opposite. It was all about push through the pain, push through the pain. And I could actually, I was doing those ropes, you know, those really heavy ropes. Yeah, like the battle ropes. <laughs> yeah, battle ropes. I was doing that mm-hmm. and she was like, squat, squat. She was having me squat deeper and deeper as I was doing these ropes. I could actually feel the injury happening as it was happening. I was like, oh no, this does not feel good on my knee right now. But I mm-hmm. felt this pressure because I was in front of everybody and we were doing this, like it was, marketed as like this intense boot camp. So it's like, Oh, well, you knew what you signed up for. So stick with it. <laughs> and I could feel this injury happening. And so when he said that, that, you know, I know I'm having this knee pain, but I forgive myself for it. That was the turning point for me too, where I was like, Oh, yeah. I don't know. I felt like a different sense of peace or relaxation in my body. And I think mm-hmm. it, you know, helped that healing process for me too. I still didn't go on the hike that day. I think I need to rest, but I love that you bring in that element of forgiveness too, because what happens mm-hmm. with any kind of injury, whether it's physical or emotional, it's not always the injury or the trauma that is the worst part. Sometimes it's how we react to it that makes things so much harder for ourselves. It's resisting it. It's judging it, right? It's Mm -hmm. being angry at ourselves for having that experience, right? Oh, I should have been able to prevent this in some way. Or how did I not keep myself safe? Or why did I do this, that, or the other? Why didn't I listen to my intuition on that? And so we can't necessarily make the physical pain go away overnight. I know you're, you're the expert at helping people do all of those things to help them reduce their pain. But there's these other layers on top of it that we can start to peel off, right? That self-judgment, that self-blame, that resistance, the fear of feeling physical pain is a big part of it, right? Too like Mm -hmm. we tense against physical pain because we really don't want to feel it. But sometimes in that tension, we're creating more pain for ourselves. And then it keeps us in that pain cycle of, oh, I'm so afraid of feeling pain. I tense. And then because I'm tense, I'm feeling more pain. And then we have more fear. Whereas if we can relax into it, trust that we're strong and resilient and can observe pain and move through pain and also experience moments of pleasure or neutrality, then Mm -hmm. we can get out of that, that endless loop. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now I have talked you into, before we started recording, teaching us how to do this for ourselves. (laughs) So uh, tell us more, Natalie, about how you're going to teach us how to do this um, yeah, like what would you even call it this process? I actually like what I came up with in terms of talking about how the body has a story and listening to the body's story. So I think that could make its way into the title or the description in some way. <laughs> um, I would bring in a lot of the things that I do with my clients, which is starting a mindfulness practice and breaking it down into the simplest components possible so that busy professionals or students or people who have young families and who are quite busy can integrate it in a way that feels easy and possible for them. I would also introduce the, you know, person, the client to the types of somatic work that I do. So somatic meaning body oriented work. So when I was talking about, you know, listening to the body, listening to all these different sensations, kind of almost like how we learn a language, you learn the vocabulary, you learn the alphabet, you learn how to conjugate the verbs. I like teaching people the vocabulary of the body and how the body speaks to us in sensations, in emotion, uh, in images, sometimes, you know, some people might get those 
intuitions as might they might notice them as auditory or as you know memories so i would i would help them understand the language of the body uh, i would talk about the nervous system so for people who like to nerd out the nervous system is the most fun thing <laughs> to yep, learn about it's just so complex and amazing but also elegant at the same time and so I would use a lot of metaphor to help people understand it. So I'd probably talk about the autonomic nervous system as kind of like the gas pedal and the brake of the body and what happens when the brakes are on too much or if the gas is on too much or if the brakes and the gas are on at the same time and how we can mm-hmm. modulate that a bit better. Um, it also, you know, teach more emotional vocabulary, help people understand their feelings, um, and, you know, incorporate a lot of tools, just basic tools that... Yeah therapists teach their clients, but therapy can kind of be enshrouded in this cloak of mystery. Like, Oh, what actually <laughs> happens true. in there? And what well, I can't tell you until you experience it. <laughs> and how does it work? I like to really demystify these things as much as possible and walk people through tools that they can do with themselves in a way that feels good. And, um, yeah, so we would do some mindfulness stuff. So some somatic stuff, some basic kind of emotional intelligence, emotional regulation tools. And, you know, for people who are experiencing physical pain, um, I would walk them through some ways that they can find either that, that pleasure or at least a sense of neutrality in their bodies. Um, so if you think that those things would be helpful for your audience, Alex, I am super yes. excited to get started yes. on that. Yeah. So Natalie's going to teach a workshop for us. She's going to teach you the how, the why, and the what to do so that you can find more inner peace, which is like super cliche. I'm sorry, but it's the first thing that came to mind. But yes. So um, why don't we do this? Do you want people to email you and we'll get them the information? Or do you want to set up a page on your website? I'll set up a page. I will set up a page on my website. And what's your website? awakenthself.com. So that's A-W-A-K-E-N-T-H-E-S-E-L-F.com. Okay. Awesome. I will link to that in the description as well, but I know that this is definitely a piece that like, I'm not qualified to teach. So I'm so grateful that you will be teaching us how to do this because it truly... I like, I feel like that's the missing piece for people who get to this point where they're like, look, I've tried all of these things, or even I'm trying the things that you're telling me to do, Alex. Um, and I, there's just, there's like that one extra bit, like this is the extra bit that can make a huge difference. So I'm super, super excited and looking forward to this. Thank you for kicking me in the butt to do it. Sometimes we need that. Even as therapists (laughs) who are constantly kicking other people in the butt to do things differently, we need it from our friends too. Yes, I, I'm sure I've told her. I was like, look, I'm going to put you on the spot and then we're going to make it happen. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. I love it. Uh, so um, where else can people find you if they want to stay connected? Um, Awaken the Self. And are you on socials? Where do you like to hang out? They can find me at my YouTube, which is youtube.com slash C slash Awaken the Self. Spelled just like my website. They can find my videos there. I do a lot of 
therapy 101 stuff, mental health 101, the embarrassing questions that you never really want to ask out loud, but are happy to type (laughs) into your YouTube or your Google search bar. I answer all the basic, sometimes embarrassing questions about therapy, like what happens in a first therapy session? What questions should I ask in a first consult call? What do I do if I don't like my therapist? Can I fire my therapist? Can I negotiate a rate with my therapist? All these kinds of things. I like to demystify them as much as possible and make mental health really easy, fun and accessible for everyone. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I will link to that in the description as well. Um, And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and expertise with us today and in the future. Um, I know too, that this conversation, like we've barely scratched the surface. So I'm excited for more. Um, And you're amazing. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for creating a platform for people who need help and doing so with just an amazing attitude and personality that people can connect with. It was super fun today. Thanks. Okay. As I promised, the workshop is ready for you. So if you want to learn more about what we talked about today, including the science behind why we get stuck in the pain or an injury cycle and the how, which is a step-by-step practice that you can do at home to get out of that cycle, then join Natalie and I March 19th, 2022, my goodness, at 9.30 a.m. for Your Brain on Pain. You'll learn how to incorporate a realistic mindfulness practice within your regular routine, somatic resourcing and orienting to help retrain your nervous system out of constantly sinking danger and into calm. You'll learn how to have a more productive internal conversation with your pain to bring about more alignment and peace and how to go from being stuck thinking you'll always be in pain to believing that life without pain is possible, especially for you and even for you. We'll also be sharing an easy 10-minute tension-relieving movement routine that can be done for all levels. So you can learn more and save your spot right now by heading on over to aewellness.com slash brain in pain. That's all one word, aewellness.com slash brain in pain. I'll also include it in the show description as well. Or as you know, you can always head on over to aewellness.com slash podcast to get show notes, fun links, free downloads, a body nerds group, the link to the workshop and everything else. So we want to know, what was your biggest takeaway from today's episode? Take a screenshot, tag us on Instagram. Remember, I'm at Hala Formala, or you can leave a voicemail on the Body Nerd hotline at 818-396-6501. And don't forget to subscribe, review, share this episode with someone who needs to hear this. If you haven't shared, if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't reviewed, today feels like a very good day to do that. (laughs) And just know that I really, really appreciate all of the times that you do that because it helps me to continue to build the show and to keep sharing with you ways that you can move better and feel better. So here's to asking better questions, moving more, creating more peace on a body, mind, and spirit level, and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and that you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks, and bodywork is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. 
And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.